Hi, I'm H. And I'm Sue. And this is the Georgia Hayer podcast. And today we'll be talking about the Nonsuch. Hey, Rach, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, how are you? Um, not bad, taking the week off work to do DIY. So there's, we were, we were sanding floors and there is, there is not a surface on in this house that doesn't have sawdust on it at the moment and it's disgusting. Mm-hmm. You walk into a room and you could, there's like a, a blurriness in the air. <laughs> it's so disgusting. Oh no. And yeah. not probably, is it the best week to be doing that kind of manual labour? Because oh. it's been, it's been a bit hot, hasn't it? Yeah, um, it meant we could work outside, so I will I will be grateful for it. But but yeah, it was a little sweaty yeah. at times. What have you been up to? Um, I yeah, I've been yeah, been you know enjoying the sunshine. Um, yeah, been out in the garden doing some gardening. Nice summer stuff. Nice, and it's Father's Day today. So, uh, what does that mean for your other half? Well, he he's gone to a cricket match, so um. It means pretending he's not a father for the day. <laughs> exactly. That was <laughs> that was his Father's Day gift, being away from his children and me. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, so we did, we did some nice presents and stuff in the morning. You know who'd get a lot of Father's Day cards? So, so Aldo? <laughs> I mean, maybe. <laughs> from his <laughs> many... Uh, his wretched brats. His wretched brats. That's yeah. the phrase I'm looking for. Um, okay. <laughs> so shall I begin with a little summary of the story? Oh, go for it. Okay. Sir Waldo Hawkridge, sporting nonpareil and all-round catch, inherits the dilapidated broom hall from a cantankerous relative. When he visits, along with his young cousin Julian, he stirs up the quiet parish and its inhabitants. In particular, Ancilla Trent, a most superior governess, and Tiffany Wield, a most spoilt beauty. Sir Waldo and Ancilla must navigate their attraction towards each other while keeping their young charges from making horrible mistakes. By the way, Rach, I don't mm. know why, I think maybe the first time I read it, I just had it in my head as um, non, non-such rather than non-such. I don't know why. It's definitely none. But I will probably say say it wrong throughout this and I apologise in advance. I've never been entirely sure, but I, yeah, I think we're all right. Whatever, isn't it? People know what we mean. Although, you know what? Yesterday my mum um, told me that I'd been pronouncing... Well, I say Epigny, but it is definitely Epen, apparently. Wrong. Oh. I know. I know. Oh, never mind. I mean, I blame her for not educating me properly. Yes, exactly. Poor parenting. What did you think of The Nun Such? I love this book. This is one of my favourites. I don't know why it doesn't come up more as people's favourites. I mm. love it. It's, it. it's charming. They've got You've got lovely main characters yeah I guess there's not so much character journeys as you get in some books you know you're not like Mm. in some books you get people personal growth don't you you don't get much of that but the characters are very light the main characters definitely are very very likable um there's you know so charming yeah exactly what are you what about you yeah really enjoyed it I I think when I when I try to recall what this book is, in my head it's always uh, the one where she thinks he's had tons of uh, illegitimate mm. children. And I always think, and it was silly of her to think that, that is ridiculous. And, and I sort of dismiss the whole book based on, on that a little bit. Um, but that's very unfair, because that puts far too much weight on what is a very small part of the story, really. Um, yeah, I mean, in any, I mean, in lots of books you have to suspend yeah. this leave a little bit don't you because it's it's a bit it's a bit of a silly mix up and I'm not quite sure it would really happen but mm. they had to have something that was uh to give it they'd have some sort of plot twist didn't yeah didn't they so to make to spice it up a bit and that yeah, was a it. little mini obstacle and then a really nice humorous sort of um coming together at the end so yeah exactly. it, it worked really nicely I do get that um so yeah I, I loved it should we get straight into Sir Waldo Oh, lovely Sir Waldo. He's a very good hero. He is. I mean, he's he's just basically perfection, isn't he? Yeah, I think he might be. Oh, no, no. I've got two issues with him. Oh, yeah, go on. <laughs> um, <laughs> at one point he says to um, Ancilla, one becomes inured to the unpunctuality of your sex. Yeah. I, mean, I guess he's probably winding her up, but still. And then he um, chastises Laurie right at the end of the book because when Tiffany throws a clock at him, he ducks 
and yeah. Waldo seems to think that women can't throw accurately so he should have just stayed still and that would have been safest so those are my two yeah. my two points but you know I'll forgive you him. could argue both could have been said for comic effect but yes it yeah. is it was yeah at the expense of of women but um I mean <laughs> yeah we had to fight yeah if you that's picking it it's a bit of picking, <laughs> yeah I mean and when you weigh it against his amazing philanthropy that's yes exactly impressive. but oh uh, yeah but again only male orphans at the moment oh, that's true yeah. that's true um well, maybe Ancilla can take a take over the other half i mean she will yeah, so she? That, yeah so that's what that yeah that that was a, a lie is it his, his mother would has got female orphans and she'd try to persuade mm. until to mm. um to start up a female orphanage. anyway we're running ahead of ourselves yes we are we are when we meet waldo he is sort of we're quickly introduced to his his charitable works because he's with his family as they're discussing that the Nonsuch, who has all of this money already, has inherited Broom Hall. And they're discussing what he's going to do with it. And I wouldn't say that the rest of his family approve of his choices when it comes to how he's going to use Broom Hall. They seem to think it's a, a waste of money. Yeah, that they'd be, um, yeah, sort of throwing money away on kids that are going to end up bad, whatever, which is not, <laughs> not, not the nicest of Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then what else do we know about him? He is handsome. He's very, very talented in terms of sport and horses. Yeah. Um, he seems clever and charming. Yeah. You get the feeling he's a guy with lots of friends and he, yeah. would, he helps people out. But so obviously he's a philanthropist, but, but also he, would, he helps his friends out. He's mm. very kind to Julian, his um, younger cousin yeah um and and also like even with Lawrence who he doesn't particularly mm -hmm. like he understands where he's gone wrong with Lawrence yes, as well yeah. and he sort of blames himself for Lawrence yeah. turning out the way he has a bit and that shows some insight and um and the, you know and reflection um because he I think he came into his wealth quite early didn't he mm. sort of Waldo yeah and and so he's got all of this money and he feels that in sort of helping Lawrence out and just because he didn't really like him just giving him money mm. um he sort of ruined Lawrence but he's able to reflect on that and he's you know which I think that's that's a nice character trait isn't it being able to reflect and yeah own your foibles yeah I think that yeah. is good although at the end he is going to get because he he'd said to Lawrence I'm not going to give you any more money by the end of it obviously Lawrence has been through the ringer um, and Waldo is clearly going to go back on that and and give him money to set up this horse trading business. Um, and I don't, I'm not quite sure what I think of that because it does still sound like a really bad business idea. But no, you know what? Maybe I, it, maybe it's going to be an opportunity for them to build a bit more of a relationship. But it almost feels like so like, we're jumping ahead of ourselves. But it almost feels like that was just a bit, a bit of a just to shut him up so he doesn't doesn't spill the beans of <laughs> to Tiffany about um the relationship but yeah mm. um still probably not the best reason to do it um you know what else I like about him is that he's never above his company so when he goes yes. to Broom Hall the, he's not moving in the first circles anymore is, is he there are some people who are maybe a little bit more mushroomy I think they they uh describe it as mm -hmm. and he is still you know polite and urbane and treats everyone with kindness and I, I really like that yeah yeah and he doesn't so you know he's got um he, he's a Corinthian he um he he's got this money, he's got all this money but he's not showy as well like mm. the the local um the locals were expecting a lot of extravagance yeah. And he was by no means extravagant. He's got plain dress. He's, mm. you know, he's not, he's not a dandy. He's not, um, he's not, he doesn't show his wealth in that way. Yeah, um, I think he describes it later on as something like he and his set do and others talk about it. Yeah. Which is, you know, a little bit arrogant, but. We, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, one person who's not a big fan of this uh, sporting class is Ancilla Trent. Yeah, who is just also a very 
is that she's just a nice character. She's charming. She's um, she's well looking. I think that's how she's described, isn't it? She, yep, she's got a twinkle in her eyes. There's a certain elegance about her. She's quite intelligent. Tall. Yeah, definitely. I think she handles her her young charges. I mean, she's the only person that can handle Tiffany. Oh, apart from Waldo, in any way, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's why she got that position, isn't, yes. isn't it? So she was a schoolmistress and then she met Tiffany and then she was recommended. Um, but to, that's interesting yeah. in itself, isn't it? Because she did come from a, a good family, but they didn't mm. have much money and she didn't want to be a burden on her family. So she went to work and gave up a lot of the elegancies of life as a result. And, um, you know, didn't... Yeah. I think it did cost her dearly to, to give yeah. that up, but she, you know, just tries to make the best of it and, and hold herself separate from, from the yeah. people around her a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's quite interesting... She's in quite an interesting position, isn't she? Because she's not she's not forced into that position. Mm. It was it's she could be living with her family. She could have she she probably could have decided to marry, not for love, but she could have decided to marry. Yeah. She didn't have to be in that position, but she she chose to. So there's what something a bit of a a, a feminist choice, and I think that shows. Um, so it's character, doesn't it? It does. Oh, she's got tons of character. Yeah. Mm. Um, should we have a look at the first time that they meet? Yes. Now, one of the things I like about this is they meet in a church. So she's at the altar with Charlotte arranging yeah. some flowers. And he, he sees her at the end of the aisle. It's almost like a reverse um, wedding ceremony, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, they're, they're arranging the flowers on the altar. Miss Trent, bowing slightly, critically watched the advance up the aisle towards her of this representative of a set she held in poor esteem. He carried himself with the natural grace of the athlete. He was certainly good-looking, and she was obliged to acknowledge that although it was evident that no provincial tailor was responsible for the cut of his coat, he adopted none of the extravagances of fashion. He was dressed for riding in buckskins and top boots, and he carried his hat and crop in one hand. The other, a shapely member, bear of rings he held out to her, saying, How do you do? May I compliment you? I have recently seen saloons and ballrooms decorated in this style, but not, I believe, a church. It is altogether delightful. Their eyes met, both pairs grey, hers very cool and clear, his faintly smiling. She gave him her hand and was aware of the strength latent in the clasp of his. She was a tall woman, but she had to look up to his face, and as she did so she became conscious of a tug of attraction. The thought flashed into her mind that she beheld the embodiment of her ideal. It was as instantly banished. She said, as he released her hand, You're too good, sir. Mine was not the inspiration, however. In the parish where I used to reside in, it has been the custom for some years. It would have been too much to have said that Miss Trent's instinctive recognition of the ideal was reciprocated. The nun such had been for far too many years the target at which various ambitious females had aimed their arrows to be any longer impressionable and certain painful disillusionments suffered in his youth had hardened his heart against feminine wiles. He was not so much cynical as armoured, and at the age of five and thirty believed that he was past the age of falling in love. What he saw in Miss Trent he liked, the fine eyes which looked so directly into his, the graceful carriage, the indefinably well-bred air which distinguished her, and the absence of any affectation in her manners. He liked her voice too, and the civil indifference with which she had received his compliment. It was refreshing to meet a marriageable female who did not instantly exert herself to win his admiration. It might be pleasant to pursue her acquaintance, but if he were never to see her again, it would not cost him any pang of regret. I I mean, that's quite a strong reaction to her, that um, she might have met the embodiment of her ideal. Yeah. Yes, it was, yeah. That's not just love at first sight, is it? That's, um, that feels like that's something beyond that. Yeah, I guess so. Um, But yeah, I I don't know how much to read like that because boy she instantly dismisses it doesn't she yeah yeah and I think but but it's interesting then from then on Mm. like she's trying to resist that Mm -hmm. and then he gradually get likes her more and more as they as they meet up I don't think it's that gradual I think he he falls for her pretty quickly because 20 pages after that he there's a hint that he wants to remain in that area to pursue his yeah. own interests, i.e. her. 
yeah yeah definitely and you have a bit just it's yeah it's really um it's really early on and they've got thrown together a little bit don't they because um julian is um instantly falls in love with tiffany as most men do mm-hmm. and um he is very obviously trying to well very obviously to her trying to um detach julian from tiffany and she he's doing that by flirting with tiffany and everything yeah. and and she calls him out on it and she she says quite quite abominable he's he smiled his eyes dwelling appreciatively on her she was always very simply attired but she wore the inexpensive muslins and um, crown bricks which she fashioned for herself with an air of elegance and never had he seen her even on the hottest day presenting anything but a cool and uncrumpled appearance and, and just that little bit there mm. I think just shows like it, it's quite nice to see her through his eyes suddenly yeah. and then actually okay no she he really does appreciate her and he's he's starting to fall for her were you also incredibly jealous at that point as someone who gets weird in sunlight did you just admire her ability to stay cool i did and as i'm reading that now i'm really hot because i'm from the top bedroom <laughs> and i'm thinking oh yeah that'd be really nice <laughs> to present a cool appearance no matter what um but yeah you're, you're right she falls for him really quickly um she i think mrs underhill kind of yeah. comments on him liking her because she, she's very perceptive mrs underhill um yeah. and so that night it was long before she fell asleep that night. Mrs. Underhill's blunt words had forced her to confront the truth she had hitherto refused to acknowledge. She'd been in love with the nonsuch for weeks. Like a stupidly romantic schoolgirl, she thought, dazzled by the aura of magnificence that hung about atop of the tree's Corinthian, and foolishly endowing him with heroic qualities because he had a handsome face and splendid figure, rode and drove his high-couraged horses with such effortless mastery, and bore himself with an unconscious assurance which cousined ninny hammers like herself into thinking he was a demigod. No... Not that she was quite as idiotish as that, of course. She could scarcely help admiring his appearance, but she had not fallen in love with his face or his figure, and certainly not with his air of elegance. He had considerable charm of manner, but she decided that it was not that either. She thought it might be the humour that lurked in his eyes, or perhaps his smile. But Lindeth had a delightful smile too, and she was not in the least in love with him. In fact, she didn't know why she loved the nun such, but only that from the moment of first setting eyes on him she had felt so strong an attraction that it shocked her because he was clearly the exemplar of a set of persons whom she held in abhorrence. But then she starts worrying a little bit that she doesn't really know him. And she says, yeah. it was possible, however, that in his own element, Sir Waldo might show another side to his character. Which I think it does go quite a long way to explaining why she could believe that he had a ton of illegitimate children. Because I think we all feel a little bit more comfortable, well, back in my dating days, I certainly felt a lot more comfortable dating somebody who, you know, if I knew his friends, it gave me a yeah. better idea of who he was. Someone who you've got no other connections to, they could present themselves any way they want to, right? And you just have to try and work yeah. out if they're being honest or not. And also, yeah, So, and he comes from a world that she inherently distrusts. Mm. So she's she's got her cousin, um, Bernard Trent, yeah. who is obviously falling in with the wrong crowd now it's not the same crowd as Sir Waldo and he sort of tries to explain that to her that you know these are the hangers-on in society Mm. but they um but still she deeply mistrusts that world Mm. and and the morals of that world and he is a representation of it and um and so she is going to go into that with a bit of distrust anyway and you know you know she she almost distrusts what she sees with her own eyes like he is a nice charming um man and she she just can't believe there's not this other side to him or she yeah she just doesn't trust it does she and that yeah and and she's in a difficult position you know she's a governor Mm. a governor so that that's that's really that's a difficult position you wouldn't normally have um that kind of gentleman paying her attention that that's not a usual thing um even if her uncle is a um a general. A general and the yeah is the goes to whites and is in that world yeah yeah i think she does for that reason she does manage to hold him off or keep him at a bit of a distance for a while but then there is the fateful ball where yeah. mrs underhill encourages her to kind of attend as a guest rather than a 
a governess or companion and so she she dresses you know how she would if she was just a guest at a ball and she lets her she lets herself get swept up by swept off her feet by waldo and they you know they waltz together and it's all really romantic but it sets the local tabbies talking doesn't it yeah and i think so and at that ball um he he makes it as clear as he can do that he is pursuing her yeah because she when she he asks us to dance he says with you or with no one Mm. um great line and that yeah exactly who doesn't want to hear that um but you're right then afterwards she has this little fight with her so the the local tabbies are um in a bit of an uproar about it because Waldo is paying attentions to a governess um and then she has a little fight with her conscience about the whole thing about after the ball doesn't she yes and and then i think there's a dinner at mrs underhill's house shortly afterwards and she tries to keep her distance from him um and he spots it and i think he's there's this bit where he's lovely and sensitive towards her that made me made me really love him at this point um so waldo made no attempt to follow her but when she was obliged to return to the front drawing room to dispense tea he came up to the table to receive his cup from her and asked her quietly if he had offended her. No, but people are saying I set my cap at you. Unthinkable to utter such words. She said, Offended me? No, indeed, how should you? I don't know. If I did, I should be begging you to forgive me. Her eyes smarted with sudden tears. She kept them lowered. How absurd. To own the truth, I have the headache and should perhaps be begging your pardon for being cross and stupid. This is Mr. Chartley's cup. Would you be kind enough, Sir Waldo, to give it to him? He took it from her, but said, If that's the truth, I am sincerely sorry for it, but I don't think it is. What has happened to distress you? Nothing. So Waldo, pray. How intolerable it is that I should be forced to meet with you always in public, he ejaculated under his breath. I shall drive over tomorrow and hope to find you for once alone. That made her look up. I don't think... I mean, it is not... I cannot conceive so why. I wish for some private conversation with you, Miss Trent. Now, don't freeze me with indeed, as you froze poor Laurie. Or tell me that you can't conceive why I should hope to find you alone. She forced her lips to smile, but said with a good deal of constraint, Very well, though it is true. But you must know, sir, that it would be quite improper for me, in my situation, to be receiving visitors. Oh yes, I know that, but mine won't be a social call. He saw the guarded look in her face, and his eyes twinkled. I have a a certain proposition to lay before you, ma'am. No, I shan't tell you what it is tonight. I can see you would bite my nose off. A certain proposition. I, I think it's always a little bit dangerous to refer to propositions when it comes yeah. to affairs of the heart. And, and yeah, and then I think it's slightly up, a little bit after that that she talks to Mrs. Chartley about it. And Mrs. Mm. Chartley sort of um, warned her off a little bit. Very well-meaning, but it's just mm. a little bit worried that, mm. and, and so sort of letting, letting her, um herself gets swept up in it all so it's well-meaning but yeah um sort of puts her on a guard which she's already you know she already has doubts so she didn't really need that little chat then it was then it was directly after that that Mm. he um he says oh he wants to make a clean breast of it to her yeah yeah Mm. so um so they're talking about what what his purpose is for broom hall um this reserve, sir, is felt to indicate that there is some mystery attached to alterations which you're afraid to make known. She spoke in a tone of Valerie, but was surprised to see that although he smiled, he looked rather rueful. I think I am, he admitted. My purpose will be known, but I prefer that it should be, remain a secret while I remain in the district, she said. I was only joking you, not trying to pry into your concerns. I'm well aware of it, but I have every intention of making a clean breast of the matter to you, Miss Trent. I'm afraid that I shall fall under displeasure of the majority of my neighbours, but I fancy your voice won't swell the chorus of disapproval. You have too liberal a mind. I shall do myself the honour of coming to visit you in the near future, as I warned you I should an eon ago. She could not believe that these were the words of a man with nothing but idle dalliance in mind, and she felt obliged to demur. I should be very happy, but... I don't think, Sir Waldo, Mrs Underhill is to take Charlotte to Bridlington and she'll be away from home for a senite or more. He made a sign to the groom and said with his glinting smile as he gave his horses the office, I know it. I may at last contrive to see you alone, Miss Trent. (laughs) So he says that and Mm. 
then she is well this can only mean one thing she's walking on air isn't she she's walking on air at that point um and it's like oh she's it's like she's finally happy and she finally believes that he's going to propose and that it's all going to be all right and then julian (laughs) julian (laughs) um (laughs) a little scamp let's slip um, well, let's slip his purpose for Broomhall, but mm. doesn't do it in the most, um, or sort of gives a little bit. So, so what he he says that the home is for Waldo's wretched brats. Yes, and then um, he goes on to say, "Well, that's what my cousin George calls them." Chuckled his lordship. He don't approve of them at all. He's a very good fellow, but a trifle too full of starch and propriety. Always in the established mode, George. He told Waldo that to be housing the brats in a respectable neighbourhood is carrying his eccentricity too far. I must say, I wouldn't dare to do it myself. Well, even the rector was pretty taken aback when Waldo broached it to him, and I fancy he's in a bit of a quake over what people like Mrs Mickleby will say to him when they learn that he ha- that he was in Waldo's confidence. He became aware suddenly that Miss Trent was curiously silent and stopped short in the middle of his cheerful rattle, and glanced round to find that her eyes were fixed on his face. There was a blank look in them, which made him say uneasily, Waldo told you about his children, didn't he, Mom? She looked away, saying stonily, No, he hasn't mentioned them. Oh, Lord, exclaimed Lindith in the liveliest dismay. I had a notion that... Now I am in the suds. For God's sake, Mum, don't betray me. I don't want one of Waldo's trimmings. He spoke half laughingly. She forced her lips into a faint smile and replied, You may be easy on that head, my sir. I shall certainly not speak of it. He warned me he didn't want it talked of, said Lindith remorsefully. He never does himself, you know, except, of course. But I'm not going to say another word. An alarming thought suddenly assailed him. He said apprehensively, "'You aren't scandalised, are you, Mom? "'I mean, I know the old tabbies will now be rust "'to having brats of some of that sort planted at Broom Hall, "'but you don't hold your nose up at what you don't think quite the thing. "'After all, most men wouldn't care a straw "'what became of the poor little devils, "'much less squander a fortune on housing them "'and feeding them and educating them. "'You may say that he's so full of juice "'that it can't signify to him, but... "'Miss Trent, feeling herself to be on the verge of strong hysterics, "'interrupted him. "'My dear Lord Lindeth, I assure you "'that you have not the smallest need to say more.' I collect that you and Sir Waldo will soon be leaving Yorkshire. Um, so, yeah, he does refer to them as your, your children. Oh, he says Waldo's children, and it'll be housing them and feeding them. I guess at that point it's not clear how many. It might be, you know, three or four, a perfectly respectable number of illegitimate children to have. <laughs> you would, you would hope so. I mean, yeah, it's a little bit silly, isn't it? That you yeah, believe that. But so he's already said to her. As, as we said before, that um, the house is going to be used and people are going to disapprove. So yeah. that's already set up. Yeah. Then you have Julian saying um, that calling him, calling them Waldo's wretched brats. Uh-huh. Um, and she's already got doubts and she already thinks it's too good to be true. Mm. So there's that, it's that bit of, I, I think I, I will sometimes feel like that, you know, oh, this is too good. Something has to go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then you have the, the, the proposal. Oh, the which first is, one. Yeah, oh. which really makes me sad. This mm-hmm. does. So, so she, so he's come to to visit, um, and she's sort of almost telling him to go away, mm. and he, he says, "I don't think you're uncivil, merely untruthful. Why do you call me a morning visitor when you know very well I've been awaiting the opportunity to see you privately, and certainly not with the object of uttering social inanity." he smiled at her are you fearful of offending against the proprieties you're not so missus and even the most strict guarded girl you know is permitted to receive an offer of marriage unchaperoned she put out her hand in a repelling gesture averting her head and saying imploringly no don't pray don't say it pray don't but my dear Sir Waldo I'm very obliged to you much honoured I can't accept your very flattering offer. Why not? He asked quietly. Dismayed, she realised that she ought to have seen that he would say something quite unexpected. She she had not and was betrayed into incoherence. I don't, I could never, I have no intention of, no thought of marriage. He was silent for a moment, a crease between his brows, his eyes fixed on her profile, a little puzzled. He said at last, don't you think you might perhaps bring yourself to give marriage a thought it is quite easy you know only consider for how many more years than you i have never 
never gave it a thought. And then I met you and loved you and found that I was thinking of little else. Forgive me. I don't mean to sound presumptuous, but I can't believe you're as indifferent to me as you have me think. Oh, that little speech just yeah. now <laughs> breaks my heart. It's just so yeah. truthful. It's yeah. just so hot on his sleeve, isn't it? Yeah, very vulnerable. Like, oh. Yeah. I think she's in a horrible position where I think despite thinking that he has all these illegitimate children, she still loves him and she has to say no. And I can't I can only imagine the confusion and frustration of, of being in Baldo's position where he's yeah. pretty sure that they're a fantastic yeah. match and they both really love each other and she just won't tell him what the problem is yeah and he's and he's sort of definitely given lots of hints to her that he's mm. going to do this and oh yeah and it was all okay it was all okay I mean she was a mm. bit oh I don't know but she, he mm. she clearly was you know reciprocated the feeling yeah. and and then and then something happened and he doesn't know what's happened and then he goes very grumpy <laughs> Go- <laughs> as you would um, okay so but it doesn't end there because this is a Georgia Hare. Um, so let's move on to the good proposal mm. scene where it where it comes off. So the second proposal comes about because Tiffany um, almost kidnaps Lawrence. Um, anyway, and and Lawrence manages to keep her at an inn for a while um, through a little bit of a a little bit of trickery and he sends a message to Waldo saying come in now I need your help um and so Waldo heads off there and on his way runs into uh Ancilla and Courtney who <laughs> just as they've fallen into a ditch right yeah she's not having the best day <laughs> <laughs> really not really not um so yeah, she's she's in a ditch. He shows up, and um, she sort of has to to go off with him to resolve the situation with Tiffany and Lawrence. And he he seems to be in, enjoying her. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> her position here. Like he's um, he's he's in a funny mood. I think because he's realised that he. So I think he's at least realised that she is unhappy as well. Mm. And so yeah. she, he's like feeling, okay, this is just a mis... I think he probably knows at this point there's some sort of misunderstanding yeah. because he, she is in love with him. Yes, absolutely. Um, but she's still saying at this point, no, I, I don't want to marry you. Um, grasping at straws, she says, uh, I am an educationist. No doubt it seems strange to you that I should prefer to pursue that profession. But so it is. My dear girl, so you might, with my goodwill. You would hardly wish your wife to be employed as a teacher in a school. No, certainly not. But if superintending the education of, of the young is your ambition, I can provide you with plenty of material on which to exercise your talents, he said cheerfully. For a moment, she could hardly believe her ears. She turned her head to stare at him, and then, as she saw the familiar glint in his eyes, wrath at his audacity surged up in her, and she gasped, How dare you? The words were no sooner uttered than she regretted them, but she had at least the satisfaction of seeing the glint vanish from his eyes. It was succeeded by a look of astonishment. Sir Waldo pulled up his team. I beg your pardon, he said blankly. Furiously blushing, she said. I should not have said it. I didn't intend. Pray forget it, sir. Forget it? How could I possibly do so? What the devil did I say to make you rip up at me? You don't even know what I was talking about, for I haven't yet told you my dark secret. Do you remember that I promised I would do so? I do remember, she replied in a stifled voice. You said that you would make a clean breast of it, but it is unnecessary. I know what you're... Your dark secret is, Sir Waldo. Do you indeed? Which of my cousins took it upon himself to enlighten you? He asked grimly. Laurie? No, no, he has never mentioned it to me. I promise you, don't ask me more. I need not. Julian, of course. I might have known it, if ever there was a prattlebox. But I can't for the life of me understand why. She broke in rather desperately on this. Oh, pray. He asked me particularly not to tell you. It was very wrong of me to have said what I did. He thought I knew. He meant no harm. I don't... I don't think he dreamed that I should not look upon it as as lightly as he does himself, as you do. You told me that you believed I had too liberal a mind to disprove. You meant it as a compliment, but you were mistaken. My mind is not so liberal. I am aware that in certain circles, the circles to which you belong, such things are scarcely regarded. It is otherwise in my circle, and my family. Oh, you will not understand, but you must believe that I could not marry a man whose, whose way of life fills me with repugnance. 
He had listened to the first part of this speech in frowning bewilderment, but by the time she reached the end of it, the frown had cleared, and a look of intense amusement had taken its place. So that's it, he said, a quiver of laughter in his voice. He set his team in motion again. I'll ring Julian's neck for this. Of all the leaky, chuckle-headed rattles, just what did he tell you? Indeed, he said nothing more than you told me yourself, she said earnestly, only that people would be bound to disapprove of the use to which you mean to put Broom Hall. He said nothing in your dispraise, I do assure you. In fact, he said that although one of your cousins thinks it is not at all the thing to... to house children of that sort in a respectable neighbourhood... George, interpolated Sir Waldo. Are you sure he didn't refer to them as Waldo's wretched brats? I believe he did, she replied stiffly. You shouldn't tamper with the text. Go on. She eyed his profile with hostility. There is nothing more to say. I wish merely to make it plain to you that Lord Lindeth spoke of you with as much admiration as affection. I dare say, heaven preserve me from affectionate and admiring relations. Laurie couldn't have served me a worse turn. So you won't help me set up schools for my wretched brats, Miss Trent? Schools? She repeated, startled. In course of time. Oh, don't look so alarmed. Only one at the moment. Those are my brats who are established in Surrey are already provided for. Dazed, she demanded. How many children have you? I'm not perfectly sure. I think they numbered fifty when I left London, but there's no saying that there may not be one or two more by now. Fifty? That's all. I expect shortly to double the number, however, he said affably. Her eyes kindled. I collect you think it's a joking matter, Sir Waldo. I do not. I don't think it's anything of the sort. It is, in fact, one of the few matters which I take seriously. But you cannot possibly have... She broke off abruptly, her eyes widening. Schools. Wretched brats? Carry eccentricity too far? And only the rector knew. Oh, what a fool I've been! She cried between laughter and tears. And Lindeth said when we took the child to the infirmary that you were the man we wanted in such a situation. How could I guess that you were interested in orphans? Easier to think that I was a loose screw, was it? Said Sir Waldo, who had once mahalted his team. Let me tell you, my girl, that I am swallowing no more of your insults, and if I hear another word from you in disparagement of the Corinthian set, it will be very much the worse for you. Since he palliated this severity by putting his arm around her, she was undismayed. Overwhelming relief making her forgetful of the proprieties, she subsided thankfully into his embrace, clutching a fold of his driving coat and saying into his shoulder, Oh no, you never will. But I didn't find it easy to believe. Only people said such things, and you talked of making a clean breast of it, and then Linda... Don't scold me, if you knew how unhappy I've been. I do know. But what you don't know is that if you don't take your face out of my coat and look at me, you'll be still more unhappy. She gave a watery chuckle and raised her head. Then unsuch, his arm tightening around her, kissed her. The phaeton jerked forward and back again, as Sir Waldo, who had transferred the reins to his whip hand, brought his restive wheelers under control. Miss Trent, emerging somewhat breathlessly from his embrace, said in shaken accents, For goodness sake, take care. If I'm thrown into a ditch a second time, I'll never forgive you. I mean, two, yeah, two falls into a ditch in one day is just beyond ridiculous. I do, but I do like the fact that she's um, she's telling the, the, um, the unsuch to <laughs> um, how to how to handle his horses. Um, yes, yeah, so the penny, <laughs> the penny finally drops. Yeah. That is a great scene, isn't it? That is a great... It's lovely. When he suddenly realises what she thinks. And the fact that he doesn't just immediately correct her, but instead goes, yeah, it's just... Yeah. just there might be a couple more since I've had it yeah. <laughs> in the past couple of weeks, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> very, very nicely played, Waldo. Yeah. So that's a great mm. scene. It's lovely, isn't it? Then, So she suddenly realises she's full of relief. Yeah. She has a little cry because it's all been too much <laughs> and emotional for her. Yeah. Um, and then they go off and have to rescue Norris. <laughs> um, yeah, that's the thing. It does mean that the, the story doesn't end there. And inst instead, weirdly, it finishes of, on Waldo lifting up Tiffany's chin and giving her a telling off. Although Lawrence loves yeah. it. It's like, oh yeah, good, good work, Waldo. So should we move on to some of the other characters then? Yeah, go on. So there's a lovely Julian. Oh, yeah. He's just a sweet boy, isn't he? Yeah, and very fortunate in his life, isn't he? He's handsome, he's wealthy, he's loved, um, moves in the first circles. I, I, I don't think he's probably even aware of just how privileged he is. It's all come so so effortlessly to him. Yes, and and doesn't... But, but he, um, 
he's a bit of the despair of his mother, isn't he? Because mm. he doesn't particularly like um, tom ton parties mm. and uh, the London way of life, and um, he he's sort of happier out fishing or out in the country mm. and sporting um, pursuits. And in terms in terms of his love life, he's prior to his visit to Broom Hall. It sounded like there wasn't anything very serious going on. He was just a young man enjoying the world. Yeah. Um, but then he yeah. meets Tiffany Wilde. And Tiffany yeah. Wilde is uh, is quite the character. She's one of those people it's really enjoyable to dislike, I think, because she's so relentlessly horrible. Yeah, and, and it, it's interesting. Um, the first time we hear she is beautiful is from her... It's from her. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so she, so it, it later on describes how beautiful she is. Mm. But she's, this is very early on. And she's um, in, the, in the first scene. And she basically says... It's something like, um, I didn't make my face. So why can't I say that it's beautiful? Which I, I kind of see the logic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's not, it's not the thing to, to tell everybody you're beautiful. <laughs> um and <laughs> and even if and and it, that that first scene in the country, so you have mm-hmm. you have the very first scene which is in London with Waldo's family, mm-hmm. and then you um, then you have the scene with Mrs Underhill and um, Tiffany and, and Patience Charlie's there as mm-hmm. well, and it's quite interesting in that scene how you basically have Tiffany and Patience compared to each mm-hmm. other, so you have. Tiffany saying how beautiful she is and um and being a bit of a brat and patience being quite so very reserved and um and, and being quite shocked at Tiffany's behavior so you have that set up already the difference between the two which Julian um soon learns yes, as well yes yes and I I think um really early on as well her character is is torn to shreds Tif- Tiffany says so she's described as a proper varmint which is always a great insult, mm-hmm. and um, I think through Ancilla's eyes, we we hear that she has no sense mm-hmm. of what's right and is governed entirely by self-interest. It, there is something absolutely strange about her inability to see how others see her beyond her beauty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be fair, she is young, mm-hmm. and she has. Um, she hasn't had like the nicest start no. in life really has she shows you her parents have died well her mom her mother died and then her father gave her um basically to mrs Un- underhill mm. to look after i think that's his sister i think and then um and then she went to live with the burfords i think it was which is her other side's oh, family yeah. um maybe it's the other way around but anyway basically um goes from pillar to post and she she doesn't really have anybody to teach her another way to be, I guess. I don't know. I'm making excuses for her. <laughs> but um, she was obviously, she was much petted, wasn't she? And as she was going up, she was, a, she was beautiful and yeah. rich. And and she's never, she's never learned any other way. No, no. But she, she just can't help putting her foot in it and really, can she? Because well, she she doesn't try and no. it. <laughs> she she's got no. She's just utterly selfish, and she doesn't have any. She does not care about uh, anybody else's comfort, no. and no subtlety with it. No subtlety with no. it either. So when um, Julian suggests that patients might want to go along to this expedition to the Dripping Well, Tiffany's immediately really jealous, and and like criticizes patients in this really sort of ugly obviously mm. jealous way and you just think there there are other you know bad female characters who would do it very subtly and just you know mm. it may be maybe more of eugenia um raxton from yeah. the grand sophie kind of style but she's just so obvious and, and it's like when she has that massive tantrum when patience is the heroine in leads and saves the urchin from being run over in the street Tiffany's just there going, why isn't anyone paying me attention? This is rubbish. I just have to hold parcels. And um, and yeah, like she just ha- doesn't manage to hide it. But she's like a child, yeah. isn't she? That, that's like, a, that, that's like a, a badly behaved kid mm, mm. Um, stamping their foot and saying it's not fair. 
um she's I think that shows her childishness more than anything else which makes me feel a little bit bad for her because she's still a child did you feel bad for her when she looked out the window she went to visit patients looked out the window and saw patients and Julian holding hands in front of patient's father and suddenly realized that out of the blue she had no clue it was coming she suddenly realizes that Julian isn't going to marry Tiffany so so I think I felt a little bit bad for her but it's it wasn't her 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 heart she didn't it didn't break no. her heart she didn't love Julian she it was purely because it would how it would make her look and mm. she and and what people would say about her which is yeah which I can that can be hurtful as well but she wasn't it was it was still selfish a selfish reaction wasn't it it was purely about how it um how she would look and how what the people would say about her yeah i i think ultimately it feels like an important lesson she will learn a learning experience yeah and and i think julian um fairly early on realizes that she's not she doesn't what do they say that her temperament doesn't live up to her mm. face or her, mm. her nature doesn't live up to her face that she's I, th- I think when that that trip to the dripping well when she has a tantrum because poor um lizzie um Colbatch oh, yeah. got ill um because you in the heat again i have sympathy for that um and tiffany samsef and she she gets very cross because she's not allowed, not allowed to go to the yeah she she says um, i hate put-offs there's nothing worse. Yeah, it's such a childish thing to say. It's like it is when when and, and pretty much Lizzie's her best friend mm. passed out on the <laughs> um, floor somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Um, so clearly the rest of the party can't go mm. on. Um, but she, um, yeah, she's just very very selfish. But I think then Julian sort of realizes that she's not. Yeah. Um, she there's doubts in his mind, and then the trip to Leeds when patients. Oh rescues the boy and then she's left with all thing and then um tiffany has a proper full-on tantrum then he could he just realizes that's you know that's it then after that yeah. she, she, he's basically got no interest in her anymore and that's also the point where his affection almost transfers since say this later to the patient yeah almost immediately yeah but i think there are some hints before that that he likes patients mm. and is um and, and they would they get on well mm. i think there are bits before that but yeah basically yes well, it's, it's, it's like, i think he admires her certainly very early on doesn't he so you know he comes across her while she's walking three miles to check on her friend lizzie to make sure that she's well she's you know she's very mm. much the rector's daughter she's just a kind person in her own right they learn to waltz together which i always just imagine must be really romantic yeah although if you see those waltzes it's a bit yeah i'm not sure how romantic it is it's quite it was quite a fast dance wasn't it yeah i said that and i suddenly thought what it would be like learning to waltz with my husband and i think i'd just be dragged around and remember it is in front of her mother and father (laughs) sexy okay (laughs) exactly (laughs) um well yes exactly so i'm not sure but but um but that is quite a nice scene isn't it because Mm. um she and she clearly really likes yeah. him and falls in love with him really early on i like the bit where um julian praises patience to waldo and then like in his next breath he's explaining oh yeah i, I uh and he's really awkward about it he's a bit like uh, yeah I, I i you might have noticed that i, I liked tiffany but i do understand mm-hmm. that actually she's a difficult mm-hmm. customer um and he says something like uh, he never thought of marriage with tiffany like it never crossed his mind, which is interesting because he'd seemed head over heels for her, didn't he? But um Yeah. But I think but if you think about real life rather than Georgia Hayer life. No, I don't want to. You don't just because <laughs> okay. But so I know it was different and I know that you know, falling in love with somebody, marriage was a um a third a thought very much earlier on than it would be mm-hmm. for us nowadays but still just because you meet somebody and you really like them mm-hmm. doesn't mean your inst your first thought of the is marriage yeah presumably he's fancied other people and not married them yeah okay. exactly okay um it was more of an infatuation wasn't it with tiffany yeah so Julie, we were saying that kind of tiffany and patience were held up 
in comparison with each other. But I suppose also we've got Julian and Lawrence Carver um, compared to each other as well. Calver, isn't it? Oh, Calver, sorry. Um, so shall we move on to talk of Lawrence, or Laurie, as he's sometimes referred to? Yeah, he's quite... Yeah, I don't really know what to think of Lawrence, because he... Mm. He, he he's a self, he's quite a selfish yeah. character as well, but he's not he's not as um unlikable as Tiffany, is he? No, no. Um I think they're both self interested so okay, then if we're looking at Tiffany yeah. and Laurie, they're both self interested. But I think Laurie is more perceptive about others and Tiffany is blind to everything going on around her, other than her own thoughts and feelings. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that yeah, that's fair. But yeah, I feel like Lawrence He's never going to be a Julian, but he's got potential to be better than he is, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's... You never hear anything really bad about him, though, do you? No. So he's not like... He's in no way a villain. Mm. He's just someone... He's in the book to sort of be a comparison with mm. Waldo, with um, with, with um, Julian. Yeah, I don't know what to think about Lawrence really I, I don't I definitely don't dislike him and he's, mm. he's he's a he provides comedy doesn't he yeah I think it for, for me the question is because he does various things that are helpful or he makes attempts to be helpful in terms of Waldo's relationship with um Ancilla and also it, it's purely self-interest though well that's the thing is it's it's whether it is all entirely self-interest or if there's a little bit of of him that would just like Waldo to be happy. But yeah, there's not a lot of evidence to suggest that, that that's the case. But the the one thing that does show character though is that he so he promised Waldo that he wouldn't gamble mm. and again or, or, or gamble um or need bailing probably out probably gamble yeah. again. Yeah, need bailing out again. And he keeps that promise yeah. and he has every intention of keeping that promise. So he has honour in that way, doesn't he? He's not yeah. He's not such a bad character that he just thinks that Waldo's there to to give him money and that's an endless stream. He he Waldo made him promise he wouldn't do it, and Waldo knows that that Laurie won't do it because he's made that promise, and that shows character. I think. And I think it, it means that Waldo has got to the point where he where he knows that he is in part to blame for Julian's character. Sorry, mm. to put Lawrence's character. And okay, yeah, he's made some progress with this not bailing him out thing and now maybe he can continue to exert some influence because it sounds like Waldo has decided to make changes and to try and improve Lawrence so Waldo you know he's not a man to fail and Scylla fantastic at directing people you know if she can manage Tiffany she can manage Lawrence combined Waldo and and Scylla can probably really turn Lawrence Carver around yeah let's hope I've got a hope for him yeah I don't he's not the kind of guy that I think oh, I want his horse-selling plan to fail miserably. He, he, yeah, he's not, mm. he's not done anything that bad. He just needs a bit of direction, a bit of backbone. Um, can we briefly get on to the matrons of, of this book? So she's not in it much, but Lady Lindeth I enjoy because yeah, she sort of hates Waldo for a moment at the beginning when she learns that he's inherited yet more wealth rather than her her darling son um but she also really appreciates appreciates the influence he has over julian and she's obviously made she says at one point that she made the decision almost on her widowhood that she would not keep julian tied to open strings and she she sticks to that she does let him have have his independence and I, i i very much admired her as a as a mother on that one yeah, and she desperately wants Julian to follow a certain mm. path to marry well, to um, to be a darling of the yeah. town, and and he she sees that he's not going to be that. So, mm. um, but she she know, she's intelligent enough to know to not uh, not hold him back. I guess. Yeah, that's yeah yeah. She's a good character. Mm. I want to I want to know more about her. Mm. Mm. She, she she left the book too early. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she could have come back at the end. And then we have Mrs. Underhill, yeah. who I also really like. Mm-hmm. What is it you like about her? Um, so I just, she, I think she's just a, she's a kind character. So she's got, um, she, she, she's, she's married 
um she's married well hasn't she yeah. so she um i said she's her family comes from trade or i think it, yeah i'm pretty sure that was it and um she she marries well she's in this new position she's not always sure of herself mm. in this position she knows she knows people look down mm. on her a little mm. bit um but she's still quite amusing and she's she's still kind she's really kind to ancilla yeah. um and she wants her you know she could hold up her nose a little bit and um she could not want her to um get married because she needs her mm. <laughs> um she needs her in the house um but she's not she's unselfish and she pushes Ancilla to um um to well to, to marry Sir Waldo mm. and it, I, there's a bit um um so this is when um so Ancilla comes back and it's clear that that um she's um in a happy mood because she thinks Sir Waldo's gonna um propose and she hasn't found out about the wretched brats oh. yet so mrs underhill sees her and says never tell me he's popped the question she exclaimed no no ma'am and Silla replied blushing and laughing well if he hasn't done it now i'll be bound you know he means to and for what for what else is there to cast you into alt demanded mrs underhill reasonably am i an alt i did not know it dear mrs underhill pray pray don't ask me questions i cannot answer Mrs Underhill very kindly refrained, but she could not help in averting on the perversity of fate, which had decreed that she should be away from Staples, just as she would have most, most wished to be at home. For gentlemen are so unaccountable, she said, that he may need to be nudged on, and I could have, and that I could have done. <laughs> <laughs> I do really like this idea wow. that, um, that Waldo might need a little bit of pushy. What would that nudge have looked like? I know. So, uh, been thinking about getting married lately, Waldo? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but that made me laugh that bit. I just like the idea that um, he might need a bit of pushing and she would be the woman to do it. Uh, one of the Mrs. Underhill bits that I liked was her talking about uh, charity. Um, so she says, she's, she's, getting some, she's getting some curtains made up. So there's a local seamstress doing, doing the curtains for her. I knew how it would be when Miss Chartley asked me if I put some work in her way, for I never yet employed anyone out of kindness, but what it cost me more and was worse done than if I'd sent all the way to London to have it made for me. I'd leave her by far, have dipped my hand in my pocket and made her a present of the money, and so I would have done if Mrs Chartley hadn't warned me not, for fear of hurting the silly woman's pride, which is another thing I don't hold with. Don't you ever, my dear, send out work to anyone that has claims to gentility, for if they don't do it in their time instead of yours, ten to one they'll do it wrong and very likely look as if you've insulted them if you tell them it's not been done to your satisfaction. So that's Mrs. Undale's views on on charity. <laughs> Don't give work to gentility. They'll do it wrong and you'll end up waiting longer for it. But I, I but that I think that probably comes from her upbringing where and where she's from yeah. because if she's from a every it's an exchange isn't it so 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 if if you grow up and you, your money's from trade that that's that you know it's quite a simple business exchange rather than putting these extra emotions attached to it it's just a simple trade it's just a simple business exchange whereas you know other people you could definitely imagine Jonathan Chorley saying that in a, in a civil contract right yeah, exactly. exactly. It seems to be in this book that, that people either view charity, that they're all or nothing. So they're Sir Waldo and, you know, mm. dropping tons of money into educating orphans, or they're really not very interested and perhaps even suspicious of it. Or you've got actually, yeah, so you've got the rector's family yeah. as well, who are also very charitable and kind. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, yeah, that's probably right. I just, I just don't know how reflective it is of opinions of that. No time i mean i made my own curtains this week by the way did you they're not great did you? but That's... they'll do <laughs> okay um, anyway on, <laughs> on that note shall we wrap up our discussion of the nonsuch let's so what book are we doing next soon we're going to do the spanish bride Ooh. i think i've only read it once um it's harry smith and Juanita, isn't it yep. Yep, and we, we see a glimpse of Harry Smith. We've... Oh, they pop up all over the shop. Yeah. Um, They're mentioned a lot, I think. Yeah, and definitely in Infamous Army, mm. we actually see him. Mm. So at some, at some point, I think. 
Um, yeah, so August should be an interesting one because it's been a very long time since I've read that as well. Me too. Cool. All right. Looking forward to it. Um, so we'll just leave you by saying thank you very much for listening. Um, thanks for your reviews. Thanks for your comments. We always love hearing from you. So take care. Thanks for listening. You're amazing. Bye. Bye.